A reading from the uh, first chapter in Luke. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of the Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant, Suddenly, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arms. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and his, to his descendants forever. Well, it is scandal, scandal all over these texts. Can you believe scandal in the Bible, in the, in the Christian church? And you may laugh about that. But the background of this song rests in that famous scandal, a young, engaged woman showing up with child. Well, in my growing up days, um, there was a widow lady, that young widow lady, that moved to our town from New York. That was big, far away for me. Um, She was lovely, and she seemed accomplished, and she, she worked in finance, and she was active in the nearby Catholic church. And her son, who was a little bit older than my brother and me, took care of our dog when we were away. Uh, behind her lived a, a banker man. He was highly esteemed in the community, very active in the Methodist Church. Um, and his wife had for some years been living in, uh, in a nearby town in an institution for the mentally ill. And people we knew who had known them for a long time said, indeed, her condition needed to be cared for in that situation, in that environment. And everybody knew, though, on Saturday, he always went to visit her. Well, you can probably guess what the scandal was. And at one point, Ms. S. across the street went back to New York for some months to care for an aging aunt. And her son then went to live with her sister, who also lived in our town. But my mother noticed that just before Mrs. S. left, she had gained some weight. 
But she came back and she resumed her normal role in the town. And then in a few years, the banker's wife died. And soon he and Ms. S. were married and they adopted this little girl. And everybody knew that this was their child that she had born uh, when she had gone back to New York. And it was a small town scandal said in sort of hushed tones. But nowadays, it seems unmarried women more and more uh, continue their normal activity, but we are aware that there are huge hurdles for single mothers this day. But Luke, Luke gives a wilder than this tale, a biblical tale, of an angel visiting Mary and inviting her to a sacred, maybe a sacred, scandalous, motherhood experience. Now it is interesting that in Galatians 4, Paul gives the first reporting of Jesus' birth, and this is how he writes it. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And then the first gospel writer, Mark, as well as the writer of John, really make zero mention of any of all these details. But the writer Luke introduces Mary in this sort of wild biblical text. And we hear it again. The angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, Greetings, favored one. Well, she was dirt poor, very young, gender oppressed, politically oppressed, and there's no mention of any parental support anywhere. But the text goes on. But she was much perplexed by his words and wondered what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. Wow, of course, those words rolled long before the time of Mary, after the time of Mary, and even to our day, to calm fears, God's way of calming us. And this angel says, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. Now, this naming is interesting. Jesus, or Joshua, means one who saves. But the angel also calls him holy and great, and even says he'll be on the throne of David. Other names are son of the Most High and son of God, often only ascribed to the Roman emperors. Well... Imagine the political, scandalous political implication of that naming. But then we hear Mary's response. Let it be with me according to your word. And in the very early church and in Latin, they call this a prayer. The fiat mihi. Let it be with me according to your word. Only a story with God could be like this in this scandalous situation. 
But did you ever wonder, though, if the angel had gone to some other 13 to 15-year-olds before Mary, and maybe maybe they said, as Larry Bethune preaches, why me? Who am I? You, you need to talk to somebody else. You cannot be serious. You really don't know me. You have mistaken me for somebody else. I am too busy. I have other plans. No. And then one painter shows the announcer, Angel Gabriel, with his hands clasped behind his back with his fingers crossed. <laughs> Fiat mihi. Mary lived in Nazareth, Luke tells us. But later on, the newly enlisted disciple, Philip, finds Nathaniel from nearby Cana, and he tells him about Jesus and happens to mention that Jesus is from Nazareth. And Nathaniel's response is, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So maybe Nazareth kind of had a reputation that sort of adds to this intrigue about Mary and her hometown. And then Mary's fiancé, Joseph, came from the family of King David. Now you probably are aware that all through the, the, the prophets, the time after David, there were high hopes that a remarkable ruler would come out of this line of David. But surely, though, those high hopes were not connected to a sordid, scandalous story of premarital sex. And then also Luke and Mary call uh, Luke and Matthew call Mary a Parthenos, a young unmarried woman of in the general uh, Greek usage, but the early church vigorously defended the Latin use of the word virgin. Well, it's building kind of a scandalous thing. And scandals, though, can be rampant even with rumors. One, in Mary's case, was that it's been recorded, was that Mary had been raped by a, a Roman soldier. Another one was that she'd been kind of messing around with a Roman soldier. Scholarly writer Bruce Chilton suggests that she became pregnant by the man, Joseph, to whom she was engaged. And that rumor mill would not be too much because such an event was not all that uncommon. And then various other early religions had gods impregnating humans by rape and sometimes consent. And the story of Zeus covering a woman in the shape of a dark cloud kind of comes to mind. But the angel said... The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overpower you. And that sort of fills our spirits and our, our imagination and our mind with mystery and intrigue and wonder. Well, we might guess that Mary didn't have a whole understanding of what that commitment was. She probably has some sense of what pregnancy was and having a baby and, and that kind of thing, but she did not know that people, including Jesus' siblings, would one day call him mentally ill. She was not aware that a yes would mean a broken heart. And she did not know that this would require standing beside his cross. 
but that day she may have really known this would not be good news in Nazareth. How is she going to tell this to Joseph? And who would believe this cockamamie story? And then about the gossip mill. But several times Luke writes about Mary saying, she heard all these things and pondered them in her heart. Well, several pondering days later, Mary visited Elizabeth, her cousin, and the angel had told her that in her old age, Elizabeth was also expecting a baby. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth expanded and affirmed Mary's experience, saying to that young woman, Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. Blessed Elizabeth and blessed are we when we assume the role of Elizabeth in the lives of others. But then Mary sings this amazing song which we call the Magnificat. The Latin word for the first word in, in that song. Now interestingly this song is collected from phrases all over the Old Testament and eloquently put together. At Free For All, we speculated how youth and innocence could produce Magnificat-like lyrics until somebody reminded us of 15-year-old Holly Obermiller's Carl Sandburg-like poem. Hear it, a part of it. On it goes... The hope constructed from the fabric of our Creator, His tunic of dreams and aspirations encasing the world, developing rips and tears, rips and tears every second of every day, the lost pieces being replaced by new, fresh ones, some faded by the radiation of people's doubts. On it goes. The love created and powered by God. Prevailing, living, dying. Ending in one life, beginning in another. The tears of it dripping down a face as wax does from a candle. The beating heart of civilization causing fear, confusion, and happiness. So simple Yet so clean was it back in the time of its birth, though it has been tainted since those ancient times. The pureness of it still remains under all the tricks and lies lying upon it, just as sea foam and pollution on top of the water hides the true beauty of the sea beneath it. On he goes, God Lord of lords and King of kings, spreading his hope, love, joy, and peace in the shape and form of all his creations. Fighting against the hatred in this flawed world. So in that kind of vein, the young Mary sings, Magnificat, magnifies, 
makes larger, expands. My being explodes with praise for God. Ancient Hannah, mother of Samuel, proclaimed upon giving the son to the priest Eli. She says, my heart exults in the Lord. My strength is exalted in my God. And then that peasant girl, Mary, leads us in reasons to praise God. Praise be to God for God honoring our lowliness, our inadequacy. Praise be to God for the gift of blessedness from God, not because we deserve it. Praise be to God for what God has affected or what God has done in us that will be a blessing to others, probably to other generations. Then praise to God for the surprises of divine work within us and in our world. Praise be to God. The scandal of giving praise to God for an outside pregnancy, outside marriage pregnancy, for claiming that this child would be the son of God, a name given to the Roman emperor. Praise be to God. What a sacred scandal. But in addition to this awesome joy and love, and maybe intrigue seeping and exuding from this scene. Luke here in the Magnificat sets out the theme of his gospel. He even sets out the themes of the life of Jesus and maybe even the themes of our lives. This strongly emotional song begins with the reversal of Mary's condition of lowliness Youth, poverty, female gender, pregnant before marriage, living in an empire-dominated that dominated culture that demeaned even all local citizens. And God raises lowliness to exaltation. Praise to God for what God has done for her. This one, lowliness to exaltation. This is what God does. And then Mary's lyrics widen and expand to include the scandal of what God does for everybody who fears him in every age, including what is God is doing in Israel by the birth of this particular Messiah. But notice here, if you, if, if you could have go back and listen to these verbs that Mary uses are past tense has done great things for me, has shown spirit, strength, has scattered the proud, has brought down the powerful and lifted up the lowly, has filled the hungry, sent the rich away empty, has helped Israel remember his mercy like he promised to Abraham and all those others. She announces what God has done as though the gospel is already in place. But really, with Mary, the promise is beginning to be fulfilled. Why? Why, she's like a prophet. And the past tense, we know, in Greek, expresses what is timeless and true. It's sort of like the past, the present, and future all wrapped up together. And so this Magnificat is the confidence that God will do what God has promised. And then these past, present, future themes occur again 
in Luke 4, when Jesus is standing there in Nazareth before the synagogue, and he announces his kingdom. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to uh, bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Dr. Brueggemann said, Jesus just lived right into the Magnificat. And maybe there might have been a bit of the Magnificat living into Jesus with some parental support that he had. But we know how the life of one who lived and taught like that ended in the scandal of the cross. And so in our hearts and lives, we hear, do not be afraid. You are poor in spirit, and I bring you good news. You are captive to commercialism, to addictions, to selfishness, maybe even disease, and I release you. You are blind now to how I am in the world, but I give you sight to know me in the places and the spirit in which you go. You are oppressed by inadequate knowledge, by prejudice, by stubbornness, by unbridled willfulness, by wickedness, and maybe even laziness. But I set you free, all in the company of other travelers as well as my personal company. Do not be afraid, for this is past, present, and future. But in another tact, Mary knew empirical Roman oppression. It was reality that soldiers raped women. Taxes were more than 50%. Courts favored the wealthy and well-connected. Even religion opposed outsiders. But the Magnificat gives God's promises to these injustices. This text speaks to physical and political as well as spiritual realities. As Mary was a part of Israel, so we are integral to the reign of God in this world all the time. This scandalized woman visualized her world turned upside down by God, and she sang about it, and it was scandalous. James K. of Princeton writes, Can we sing Mary's song with her? Could it break out this advent on the Washington Beltway? Or could it break out in North Carolina or in Henderson County? The poor having health care and food and good schools while the rich have given so freely that they go away with their pockets seeming empty. And that interpretation is from Gail Coulter. But justice, justice, I couldn't find it anywhere else. Justice dispensed equally for those whom prejudice is a daily experience. Are these our song? Maybe it depends on whose choir you sing in. But by the world's standards, we are rich and comfortable and healthy. And it could be times we forget that we even need God. Maybe not Mary's God anyway. But Mary just keeps on singing. 
ranging on in her scales of praise, soaring in her expectant and revolutionary libretto because God has reached so unexpectedly down to where the least and the lowly still struggle for life. Can Mary's God truly be our God, the one who will knock the selfishly powerful off their peacock thrones, their stock exchange seats, and their seats of government and judgment benches? It's scandalous thinking and scandalous singing, especially in these post-election days. But in addition, can we also sing with the Old Testament Isaiah? That the crocus can bloom where the fracking occurs? That the deaf, the lame, and the dumb can be healed? That clear water can flow in polluted streams where forest animals come to drink? Can it be that the Lord will ransom all people to God's self such that we all sing and know everlasting joy even in the midst of sorrow and sighing? and maybe even where sorrow and sighing have fled away. Is this not scandalous thinking for our day? Scandalous singing? And this may stick in our throats, but I am aware that we really do try to work at the reign of Christ. Mary had a future, and as we engage the world with God, or more, as God engages the world with us, God will bring this sung about future, past, present, and future, as God brought about Mary's future. So sing it again, Mary. Sing to us praise of God. Sing on. Sing on till your song at last becomes our song, till all the world hears and makes your praise and justice lyrics its own. Sing through us as we live this song in our worlds with our Lord. Glory to God in the highest. Scandalous love song that it is. Amen.